0: Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burroughs and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode number 55, and we've got everyone back together in the studio.
1: 2012, and the band's back together all here.
0: <laughs> oh, Brad's Rather getting excited. a little bit excited, well, isn't is. he? It's the first time we've actually had really had the whole team back together in 2012. In, 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 in our entirety? Yes. That's, that's true, because Skip had to bail out on the other episode when we were kind of together. Now, Brad, you've been away. Yes. You've been out and about yes. around Asia somewhere or other? Yes, Bali, Selling yourself on the beach? And... I did
1: actually sell myself on a beach. Well, in a pool, actually. Nice. It was. It was, it was really relaxing. I, I switched off. I sent you guys one email, which I thought was really good. But I didn't actually have a laptop or anything, I had an iPad for reading books, and I just read books and kept up seeing what was going on in Asia with the tech news over there, which is a different different flavour on the world. Yeah, definitely. It's good, really enjoyed it. Cool.
0: Now, this week we have so many things on the agenda, we've got, uh, we talk uh, gaming, we're talking about uh, IT for kids, which is uh, some local news uh osx there's been a an update there from apple that we'll uh, we'll chit chat about uh news about um, some bargains that have been available through some of the local retailers um, new phone and phone technology some mobile news all sorts of bits and pieces so uh so let's jump straight into it guys so first up it for kids this is a new company um that has launched here in New Zealand, I think in
1: uh, Dunedin. Yeah, based out of the deep south down there. So yeah, it looks good, doesn't it? It's, it's it's a cool concept where they're trying to get um, young adults and children involved in, in IT. Obviously, the the name gives it away. But for thirty dollars, you can get um, ninety minutes of um, sort of IT education and or programming training and stuff like that.
0: I think it's really good. That's pretty reasonable for for yeah. a cost of going to, going to a going to a course. And yeah, they're targeting. I think um, you know all. All, all sort of ages there so anyway look these guys up uh, if you're down that way and you're interested in uh, getting your kids or uh, someone else's kids or what have you plugged in yeah just um, don't go
1: grab a kid to join them because they would just be wrong <laughs>
0: uh, it's the url is it number four kids dot co dot nz so uh, check those guys out uh, they're open Fridays and Saturdays I believe is when, they're, uh, when their stuff happens so uh, yeah have a look now, OS X Lion, the Mac operating system, had a bit of an update last week. Yeah, ten point seven point three got released for the Lion OS, didn't it? It did. Now, there was a a little bit of an issue with this. I'm not sure um, if you guys had a play. We um, fired it up uh, at the uh, at the office. Um, but what happened was there were. Mm, there there were problems with this update and it messed up some machines for for a few people. So what we understand uh happened is that in the end Apple actually um pulled that update in terms of the the standard updates that uh that you load um because of the issues that they were uh, that they were actually co- causing um you can download a, one, a a big update 1.3 gigs instead um whoa that's huge that will will uh will do the job without causing uh without causing the issues apparently so there's there's been some uh, and there were some other you know people had documented the the workarounds pretty quickly as
2: well before apple pulled anything i don't think that's called an update i think that's called a reinstall yeah that's that's a full version of the os 1.3 gig that's massive, and that, and that works around the issue now. The one point three gig update works around the issue. Well, I think if you're used to Mac updates, it's
0: actually reasonably normal to have it come <laughs> and tell you you've got a gig worth of updates. Oh, okay. And we've oh. talked about we've talked oh. about this on the show before. I mean, it's normal. You buy a new Mac, and you plug it in and you uh, allow it to run through its updates and it is fairly normal to get in the direction of about a gig worth of updates. Now, you, you're right, actually, because it's, it's just the norm. I'm did. i I'm, I'm still on Leopard. I reversed back, and my Leopard
1: did 200 megs of security updates the other week. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, that's just flabbergasting. I mean, uh, when you, when you think about security flaws, it's generally a piece of code that needs to be changed. And if that piece of code affects other things, yes, those get updated as well. But I mean, if you look at it in a Windows sense, a DLL has a an, yeah. an update problem, a, a bug in it, so they replace the DLL. They don't replace half the kernel.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Apple have a di- have quite a different approach to the way their things work, and you don't have DLLs. And of course, back in the day, they used to cause a lot of problems for Windows.
2: It's kind of like taking at acne with a technical tactical nuke, though, isn't it? It's like I've got this little spot. I am just going to blow the side of my face off. Yeah. I mean
0: that, it's a that's shotgun a shotgun fishing approach. That's isn't a, it? that's actually that's actually a great explanation <laughs> yes. for it. Skip. Um
2: I'm not sure Apple would be too pleased with your um Okay, I maybe oversimplifying, but you kinda get the impression that they tend to go, well yeah, we realise there's this one bug, but to, to to make that one small patch change, we probably should just push the whole lot across the inside. Mountain like, yeah, kind of let, let's, yeah, Let's fix the problem in iLife by replacing iLife, for example. Yeah, yeah no, that seems a little
1: bit overkill and possibly something they should look at improving. Th- th- this this problem with 10.7.3 was actually quite a big one. And looking through the forums, what's been going on, I mean, it was causing the apps to crash. It caused the video to do, have graphics issues. It wasn't like a small bug. It was actually quite a quite a few things going on. So, I mean, if it's a one point three gig where it stops all the because the thing with Apple is obviously when the apps crash, it normally is quite independent of the OS. Now, if this is causing the OS to have issues as well, then it's obviously something quite major. So,
2: now in saying this, it's not. I guess it's not really an issue that's just solely tied to Apple. I mean, we've oh, seen no. we've seen antivirus vendors uh, destroy functionality and the likes of Microsoft Windows XP updating a patch and then you can't log on to XP for whatever reason, you know. So we've seen it in other other spaces as well. So it's not anything majorly new. I
1: can't think of any commercial software that hasn't had an issue like this. That's true. Mm. You can't, no one can, even the open source, like even BOS and, oh, sorry, free
0: B, um, BOS and stuff like that is just, yeah, they've all had it. Everyone's got it. It's just problems. I think we just... yeah. So the, the word is anyway, just be cautious before ever loading an update onto whatever it is, whether it's your phone or, you know, your, your PC or your Mac, always just, just have a bit of caution, uh, you know, generally. I think, um, you know, these things have got a lot better over the years and, you know, a lot of people just leave Windows on an auto-update type thing and as a consumer you'll often get away with that. In a business situation, you know, that could break a whole bunch of things so, you you know, that needs to be done in a, in a managed uh, manner but they're still obviously uh, really, really important for keeping your security. But, yeah, I think we just have to caution people um and and say hey yeah have, don't don't just drop these things on the first moment they come out in every case yep. with the security updates there is actually a reason to get them out as quick as possible in most cases but it's worth having a look around do a Google search do a Bing have a look and see what uh, what what people are actually saying about these things okay I, I've got something
1: changing topic for two seconds so one of the things obviously I, will, I was away I, I read quite a few books and one of the, I finished off the Steve Jobs book. And one of the things, obviously, through there is when they're starting to build Apple is that they are building Apple as a personal computer, as a PC. But whenever we talk about Apple now, we say Mac versus PC. But in theory, everything is just a personal computer. It's just personal. Would you not agree? Yeah. So why do we... It's interesting how we've managed to, when we have a conversation around any devices now, we break it into that PC and Mac analogy, don't we?
0: You could break it into Mac versus Windows uh, but no, no. I mean, it could be Linux. It could be anything. I'm saying it's interesting how a personal computer is different to a Mac, which is also a personal computer. It's just a particular. It's just a particular flavour, really. And and I guess it's a it's a way that Apple sort of differentiates itself from the pack. Because uh, you're right. Just, they, they they still they've done sell, a great job, haven't they? Yeah,
1: absolutely. They've extracted themselves from under the PC umbrella and created their own brand. And there you've still got Linux devices and everything else sitting under the PC umbrella. It's very yeah yeah sorry just, you just made me think about something in the book where they were mm. talking about how they mm. did this and mm. it is quite incredible now our conversation is they've created their own brand out of a a bigger name so mm. anyway I diverted
0: I'm back no that's that's um, I think it's a book that that that's well worth well worth the read even oh it's though a I, very good read I haven't got through it yet it's so, very uh, good
2: yeah. it's good to work your upper body too because it's quite a sizable book I e-booked it. Yeah, it's, it it's the only way you're going to be able to survive reading <laughs> 1,084 pages. It's a big book.
0: <laughs> now, other news this week: uh, Skype have released an update which brings full HD video calling, which is uh, is nice. I mean, you've got to have obviously a great internet connection to do this. Uh, it's, you know, it's not just download; it's upload speed. So, this is where the UF, UFB connectivity is going to make a difference for people here uh, in New Zealand. And you know there'll be other markets where that's going to be um, that's going to be a concern as well. You're not going to be able to get full HD hmm. off your standard home DSL connection. So no, and you've got to have a camera as well that can do it. You've HD. got to have the right camera. So yeah. Um,
1: but the key thing is, is that it brings HD video calling into Facebook, and that's what the five. So what, they've released uh, five point eight for Windows for the Skype plugin, and it actually adds in a new plugin into Facebook, which gives you HD video streaming from inside Facebook now which is very cool because I just thought it today
2: to have a go. I'm going to be interested to see how many broadcasters start using Skype yeah, for doing live feeds. In fact, I think TVNZ did one this morning which looked very Skype-ish on a really low-quality signal out of the UK.
1: BBC do a lot of Skype um, pulling. Mm-hmm.
2: But the HD stuff, I mean, why not? You Just use the local internet connection. If you're in a, a fibre-connected city with um, fast uh, international transits, why why not? Give it a try. Yeah, You can become your own broadcaster for less than cost of a camera and a laptop. Less than a dollar a day. Set up a Facebook site and away you go. Yeah, exactly. Now,
0: over the weekend, there were some, as as tends to happen often on these long weekends, there were some quite good deals going on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, And you are the
1: dealmeister.
0: <laughs> now, I like keeping a watch <laughs> on what some of these things are, but what I wanted to point out is just, we would like to encourage our listeners to uh, jump on board, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook so that you'll actually get those feeds because we are mentioning these things on the on the various social networks. Uh I know we've got somewhere um around 500 odd uh followers uh so far on on uh, on Twitter. And we would uh, love to see that go up. I know on on Facebook it's two or three times uh, that number. I want a so thousand.
1: I want a thousand on Twitter by June. That's there, the goal.
0: There's a there's a. I guess the the sign is is that most people are on Facebook, and a lot of you, uh, a lot of our listeners, aren't yet on uh, on Twitter. So if you're not, we would encourage you to jump on board uh, Twitter, and go and uh, visit us and uh, follow us on Twitter dot com slash NZ Tech Podcast. Uh, because there are, there is quite a bit of the news that goes on in between broadcasts that we actually try and uh, mention and and cover off and and other items that come through so and Twitter has sort of become the natural uh, channel for a lot of that. We will be doing a bit more of that on Facebook too uh, I know we 've been more active on tw- on Twitter than um, that on Facebook and we'll try and balance that up a little bit more but I think naturally just the nature of Twitter means you're likely to, to actually see more of that content from us through on uh, on Twitter. Yeah we're all prolific Twitterers so if you if you do are following the NZTEP podcast
1: or our Twitter handles which we'll give at the end of the show you'll always find out what's going on out there.
0: Absolutely.
2: And, and to be honest Paul can sniff out a bargain at 100,000 paces. Yeah, people watch the stock market. Paul watches the retail stores. For he bargain. does. He's incredible. No, honestly, I'm, I'm not joking. When I when I'm
1: looking to do something, I'll, you know, I'll give you a bell, dude. You know yeah, that, and we'll yeah. all have a chat. And Paul will say, well, over at the Harvey Normans in uh, Albany here in Auckland, they they've got it for four ninety nine. But if you go in with the best buy offer, it's just incredible. It's like fantastic. So if you ever want to email Paul.spain at NZT and he'll help you out. It's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, over the weekend a couple of deals which we have met and I'll just cover these off. Um, they may will they may or may not extend them, um, but it gives you a good indication also on what the sort of prices are out there around products. One is uh is the TiVo box and that's the um the home um personal video recorder which is basically a free view box with a um, hard drive storage in it and two tuners so you can you know watch one channel record another or you can watch you know record two programs at once did you have to have a telecom connection to make that work though no there, there was a lot of discussion in the early days saying you needed telecom this and that you don't there is a there is a service um, that ties in with TiVo in New Zealand for extra extra content and uh, to get Get that without having to pay for the data across your internet connection. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. If you're on telecom, they don't uh, they don't charge you for those videos. But what I found is that is the weakest. Uh, that's really the weakest point on TiVo is the service called Casper on demand, and it's a little bit like you know we've we've talked about some of the other on demand. Um, uh, video streaming services in the past, mostly the US-based, you know, ones like Netflix, but also um, you know through iTunes and through um, the Xbox with the Zune, PlayStation Three uh, has got their own. Uh, Play, PlayStation. Um, so we've got these various um, uh, services where you can rent movies and rent uh, video content. Casper is the the TiVo version of it. Uh, but what I found is it's very, very poor with um, the currency of its content. So I went under new movies, and there were four in the new movie section. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, and one of them, one or two of them, sounded familiar. But, but dude, that's fifty percent of the market. I wasn't quite sure of like how old are these movies, so I searched on on IMDb which for the listeners that don't know IMDB this is the place to get the best movie reviews um there's also rotten tomatoes is the other one uh, but I always look on there before IMDb's before the best. Before, before, uh, before anything else and there's apps for it on your phone and so on so it's just brilliant uh, but uh, yeah so so clicking back I I looked at these four movies and I looked them up on IMDB two of them were from 2009 <laughs> and the other there were there were two more that were 2010 maybe 2011 for one of them um, so really, if you want a TiVo box, uh, anyway, they, they were 900 when they launched. The special this weekend was 199 I know that um, Noel Eming and Bond and & Bond are doing them for 299 just as their general everyday price now. Uh, and even at that price, it's actually a good deal for a box that will record your TV programs and, and take care of that, uh, that stuff. So
1: the, the primary purpose, if you're going to buy it, would be to use it as a free view personal video recorder, the PVR, yep. to record one channel while you're watching the other. That would be the primary pers-
0: purpose you'd buy it for? Yeah, pr- well, primarily for recording TV programs. So you may or may not want to be watching while it's recording. Yep. It's just, you know, you said it and you say, look, I want to record this whole series that's on TV. I want to record, um, you know, maybe it's Doctor Who that's on whatever channel that, that that's on um, and it's got a very it's like MySky in terms of um, its electronic program guide uh, but it's actually I think it might give you even slightly more it gives you a full two weeks ahead which it downloads that over the internet so it's better than you can get through most of the other yeah. uh, methods 6 days is normally the other one or 7 and days and what for me because I, I have a, a media centre set up for my recording and, and that actually can do you know 3 or 4 programs at once Um, But one of the things that I quite liked about the TiVo is it's always recording. So even if you're not choosing to record something, it takes note of what the last two channels were that you visited, and it just keeps a 30-minute buffer on, on both of those. So if you just flick on the TV, you haven't set anything to record, but someone calls you up or you hear, oh, this program started 20 minutes ago, that's really cool. And if that's one of the channels that you visited recently, you can jump on and just back up. It'll let you back up up to half an hour. That's cool. I like and, that. And sc- and scroll back. Yeah. So um yeah, things like that. You know, and obviously being able to pause and rewind and and just miss the ads and 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 so on is really good. And 199 bucks. It's only uh that at, if you can get it at that price, it's only thirty or forty dollars more than buying just a standalone freeview box. So it's uh it's quite reasonable. So why is Tivo been such a flop though? I mean, the reality
1: is is that the feedback in the forums out there. Um, talking to the Geek Zone guys and reading what's been going on there is while the deal's good, TiVo just has got a bad brand name or it just hasn't taken off.
2: It's had faults. It has problems. I've got a lot of friends that actually have had TiVos that have just done stupid things. So there's that part of it. Um, I don't think the support in New Zealand is as good as we'd like it to be. Where does it come from at the moment? Do you know? Uh, From what I gather, a lot of the TiVo support is done through the telecom help desk if you're a customer of the Casper type service. And that's generally broadband and they generally, um, I think the experience hasn't been overly fantastic, especially if you're after hours in telecom, uh, because what you tend to find is you end up on telecom's backup um, call centres in the Philippines and they're not too sure what's going on. yeah, the
0: case I'm not sure that's the case with these units because these are being bought through the TiVo channels and not they're nothing to do with telecom anymore. So, right. my understanding. But I don't is know if
2: there's any. Would there be any support for that? I mean, in terms of uh, they do
0: have a there is a local operation that actually supports and looks after them. I'm not sure what what that involves exactly. Yeah. I, um. But you don't get a whole lot of support for your no. uh, my Sky box either. It's just either it works or it doesn't. If it doesn't work, you send it back and they'll send you another one. Uh, it's, it's probably fairly similar to that.
2: Yeah, and, and as I say, the few the few friends that I've got that use the TiVo have, have had ongoing issues with it. It hasn't been a great experience. I think the other thing is that it doesn't offer anything new to the market that or isn't already there. So, I mean, you can go and get yourself a top field or a strong um, PVR TV receiver, tuner, that does very similar stuff. Um, what it does do on top the, of that is... Those it,
0: don't, don't have access to the electronic program guide in the same way. They don't deliver the same result. They can give you an electronic program guide. It's very limited in comparison. But it's I the same understand. as what
2: the other every other market space has got. So you know the TiVo may have slightly more, but I mean in terms of electronic programming guide, if that's all that you want out of a product, go and buy a TiVo. But if you want some other features, I mean, I think the, it's
0: worth people having have, go onto Geek Zone, have a look at the forums because there has been a lot of discussion about it, and it seems that the early issues people had have really died away, and most of the feedback I'm seeing now is that this. At that price, is really really good. Also, um, have a look at MBR. Chris uh, Keel from MBR did uh, did an article on this uh, about a month ago, and uh, with the National Business Review, and uh, he was writing it up that at two nine nine, that is actually is actually really good bang for buck as a product. I don't think any of the other products come near it in terms of pricing with a built in with built in storage and ability to also plug in uh, external drives. But I mean,
2: then- there are units out there that do that, and they can allow you exposure to the content you can pull the content mm-hmm. off your drive as well into your network and um, play it off your p c or whatever um so there, there are other products out there i just i mean the the Casper service is a classic example of um something that's tanking hard i mean that's not not a great offering at all, and really shouldn't i mean they should probably just kill it off i mean it doesn't offer anything new to uh to people really. And especially if you can watch the you know the top four latest videos come from two thousand and nine, some of them come two thousand nine. That's a bit yeah, that's bit pretty rubbish poor. Really. That's pretty poor.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree that side of it. And it may be that the company pulls out of New Zealand, but I think in terms of you know the device, it's it's reasonably good bang for buck to uh, to get some handy functionality. I think it's really going to if you don't if you don't have MySky HDI or a similar box. And I guess the reality is now. Most people probably already have something else doing this job, and that, that yeah. was certainly and, my and case. And you're certainly
2: starting to see uh, media centres like um, the PlayStation 3 with their uh, HD tuner built into it. Uh, that, offers, um, that offers a great service. It works quite well. You can do recording, I understand, and it does actually offer you exposure into the TVNZ On Demand service, for example. So there's, there's a couple of other options out there, and I think this year... TiVo are really going to start struggling, there's going to be a lot more features coming into the market space on existing products, and, and MySky is actually still a very, very good product. So I, I, I put something out to the listeners, if anyone's got a TiVo out there, email us
1: and let us know what your experience has been like with it, because I've stayed quiet in this one because I've just heard bad things, but giving Paul credit here, he's right, there has been a lot of changes going on, and my perception was when it was on the telecom product range. So if anyone's got one at the moment that's that they've bought, could they let us know what they're what they're finding or we might have to see and pull out to buy one.
0: Well I know I did buy one actually. <laughs> you dog. You were over <laughs> at my house on the weekend and you said you'd let me know if you're gonna get one. Oh uh, yeah, I, no I actually did buy one. Oh um, but so, but I, mean, I haven't really had a chance to get too far with it yes yet other than um as I mentioned so look, looking up those movies, so yep, so now, the other thing that's worth mentioning in this space um if listeners aren't aware is also um it was announced in De- in december and i can't recall if we covered this off so it's you know it's a couple of months ago now um was that sky and TVNZ have done a deal and they're launching a new platform called um Igloo, which is their new um a new sort of lower end uh pay t v uh platform that will sit sort of below the my sky um type offerings. And um, yeah, I think this is, this is an interesting um, little little offering into the uh, into the market.
1: It looks, I think, what do you get? Oh, I can't, I can't remember the channel packages. I think you get like the entertainment. I think you might get sports, but you don't get movies or something like that, isn't it? And you get all the other freeview based ones as well.
0: Yeah, so you'll get access to the um, the the freeview type uh, content. Um, it's got eleven channels. Uh, which is going to include Comedy Central, UK TV, Food TV, uh, BBC World News and BBC Knowledge, uh, MTV Hits, uh Kids Zone 24, National Geographic uh, Channel, TVNZ, Heartland, Animal Planet and Vibe. So, you know, you've got a um, yeah, a different sort of mix of content. Um, but also there will be the pay-per-view um, type content as well, including um, a catalogue of of movies and TV episodes that you can rent. And there's going to be about a, a thousand movies and TV episodes. So that's not a particularly big catalogue either, I've got to say. Uh, and you know we're just seeing in New Zealand that these things aren't turning over very quickly, even when we when we look at um, iTunes and the like in terms of the actual freshness of the content. It, it is, you know,
2: um, well behind what you can get in the US market, for instance. To their defence, it is a very costly exercise to be able to do this, though. So it is quite tricky to sort of figure out how much cash do you throw into this thing to make it a, give a your return, um, especially considering the New Zealand market space it is quite small, really, at the end of the day in terms of subscribers. Mm. Um, and the interesting thing is uh, people will be able to purchase... Um
0: they will purchase a 30-day channel pack for it's a prepay type arrangement for um $25 and that gives access to the 11 um igloo channels um and the set the set top box apparently is going to come in um under $200 so we haven't got the exact timing on that yet but um yeah, it's good. Good to see new new tech coming in uh, into the New Zealand market and some new offerings.
1: I like the idea of a prepay option. I really do. I think that's the way to go. Where if you invest in the set top box and you get the basic free view, if you can turn on and turn off things and you can pay that, that would be really cool. So I hope they do. And I mean, two degrees are becoming the masters of the prepay world for the telephone space. Let's see if this, if Sky and TVNZ and can adopt another model which. You know what? I would be very. I would really look at that for me.
2: Now, sorry, you guys go. It's an interesting space at the moment because we have seen there's been some changes on the Freeview platform Uh, since Christmas. Stratos came off Freeview; they actually just couldn't afford to be on Freeview anymore. So that's a channel that's dropped, and uh, the likes of TVNZ Seven is going to disappear shortly. Mm, It's a shame. And they're going to be moving it to, uh, I believe, uh, one of the big marketing firms here in New Zealand. I think Sachi and Sachi perhaps or someone else is actually going to take it over and turn it into a shopping channel. So, it's going to be an interesting to see where everything heads off in this space and it's it's still very competitive and uh I mean, broadcasting is hugely costly hugely costly, and that's why Stratos, which was actually quite a popular platform across the country, Mm. couldn't turn a profit on that for themselves, Um, just weren't getting enough money in to be able to make it profitable, so I think over the next year we're going to see some quite a bit of shift and changes, new channels come and old channels go. Okay, well on that front, two other TV bits and pieces, one just a reminder to check out
0: uh, our friends at uh, Ziln.com. TV, Mm. uh, who have got online streaming of of various New Zealand content. Very cool content. It Um, is very cool, actually. And the other was just talking about the other sales and things for the weekend is... um, they were offering an LG 60-inch plasma at No Leming for $1,699 for a 60-inch plasma. That's a serious bad boy that you bought. Which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. So I managed to uh, snaffle one of those up as well. <laughs> and, uh, it's sitting on your desk
2: at work now, isn't it? That's
0: it's, right. It's, it's gonna, new monitor. It's going to be my new monitor. So, um, <laughs> we know you're blind, uh, but it's We'll see how, whether I get away with that. But um, You know what um, you should do is for a joke. It, it, is actually, it was huge. It was so hard to get it actually up the stairs and all of that sort of stuff but um it, you know that's um I'm just not used to carrying things quite that big with uh with one arm um, <laughs> with one arm <laughs> just see I'm shutting my mouth here at the moment I'm being so no, good it, it was it was huge um now other new tech this week connect for Windows um, just came out beginning of the the month in the US I don't think we've actually seen any product into the New Zealand uh, um, channel Mm. yet but um, this puts the Kinect sensor which normally you get on your Xbox onto the PC which creates a whole lot of opportunities for um, all sorts of new things and uh, Skip just there was waving his arms in the air with excitement. Now I can imagine if there'd been a connect on the on the PC uh, monitor in front of him, it I could have, have
2: formatted my drive by it, accident. It could <laughs> have
0: picked up that gesture and decided to to do something. Um, what it did, I I don't know. But there's all sorts of talk about the things, the way this might work for interacting with computers in the future. If the technology maybe were to be built into laptops, so you know you open up your laptop, you got your screen there, and you have got all the sensors and things rolling across the top um you know there's some natural use there um and one of the other ones that i i heard which i thought was a good idea is when you're if you've got a um a powerpoint type setup for for you know presenting and you know looking around for your mouse and all that sort of stuff it it'd be nice to be able to uh you know control uh, you know your presentations and so on, just with with a with a gesture. So there there are some things where it might be relevant. What do you, what do you guys think about where this may or may not uh, end up, or or if it'll just completely flop?
2: You know what? It's an interesting point you say because it's very exciting that Kinect's coming to Windows, but what does it mean? <laughs> I mean, there's just a whole limit, unlimited level of possibilities. But I mean, is Connect going to do anything for me? My Microsoft um, Office app is going to help me do stuff. And, and this is what I'm really going to be interested in. It's going to be great for gaming. No I think I think it's that. something for the, for for unusual cases. There will be specific
0: situations where it will be useful. And that, you know there's talk of medical well, requirements f- and things like that, but I mean I would say it's a really really
2: really niche product. There are some some really cool concepts that you can do. Like, well, you can buy kit for your um, webcam already, which enables a 3D cockpit view in your flight simulator view. So as you turn your head slightly to left and right, you can actually pan through your cockpit on your small screen. It's kind of unusual to get your head around, but it works quite well. So I can see some of that interactivity and possibly gesture control at the desktop for browsing, doing things. I don't know. It just... There's just not really anything that goes. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Okay, so a few things to clear up.
1: One, if you're thinking if you've got Kinect, it's it looks the same, but it's not the same because you've got to remember the throw distance is only 40 centimeters now. So the distance actually picks you up is 40 centimeters. You can connect up to three Kinect cameras now off one lap off one PC.
2: What is that going to do? So, So you you can have multiple ones set around a room
1: or something, so it it could do all sorts of things. Correct. Off off the one PC. Yeah. Um, The SDK, the software development kit that you get, is in version 1.0 now, so it's the full version. And that gives you all the the power, the adapters at the back um, have uh, adjusted for a PC. Type device, so you don't have, to have the, the power the additional power pack right um, and the other thing is now is also you can the SDK or software development kit actually publishes they've already got one where it's publishing straight images and video onto a Windows Phone 7 device interesting so I saw a demo um, online. Um, on an external website somewhere, and some guy's already developed something, Had it, and he was waving at the camera. It was looking on his PC, but is also then streaming that in real time straight onto his Windows Phone 7. Now, while everyone's like going, well, that's just a web camera, <laughs> um, you start to it actually, he had what he did was he had the skeletal view, the web camera, and then he had the infrared view. So it was actually picking up all those layers, and that means he could start to interact and do things on other devices and bits and pieces. So I think it's a very, very niche area, like really niche. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But I think the possibilities are – now, one thing that's come out of CES that I'm not sure if you guys picked up on was is that there was a Acer laptop there prototype that had Kinect built into the screen.
2: Interesting.
0: Now, this is... Um, if you well, st- so people say. I'm not sure that it was actually... It,
2: was, it had three holes on the front of it.
1: it. it no, there was actually... A, a, I've um, actually read the review and the guy that did... I listened to the interview on one of the podcasts I listened to. Okay. And they were actually talking about this prototype device. And they said it's actually got a... And Microsoft have con- apparently, on this podcast, confirmed it. Um, and I'll publish this up on our NZ Tech link and put a link mm. off to it. Mm. But that was it's a prototype concept of actually having Kinect built into the screen.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that does make a lot of sense. The other thing that they that I saw at CES were a lot of TVs with a Kinect style sensor in them, from other vendors that were you know trying to do similar things. And one of them was actually showing off um, the Fruit Ninja game on a TV using uh, a I guess a, a competitor um, technology to the Kinect yeah. technology, and it was actually built straight into a TV. So we we I think we will see this uh, type of technology become more mainstream. And remember, this is very, very early days for it. So, you know, I think you've got to leave it to the imaginations of the some of these inventors to see what they'll actually come out with over the next few years with the, with this technology. And at the moment, I don't have a whole lot of ideas on what might be done with it. But you know, who knows? It may become less niche within within the next few years.
1: You raise a good point, though. I mean, everyone's going, well, everyone around the CES period is going mad around with the the Kinect style devices, and obviously Apple with Apple TV with Siri and stuff for controlling your TV. But to me, I'm sort of—I sort of have these scenarios. You—you're know, you, in watching TV at the home. Siri interacts and changes the channel you don't want it to, or you have a motion sensor type device and you're trying to change the channels and it's not picking you up. The good old remote's still, I think, the most solid way of actually getting this stuff done—a quick and tactile surface. Well, and- the
0: thing with the remote is it's not—it's often not handy. Remotes get lost, all sorts of things. And I found myself this this weekend using using Connect to actually you know, control some content on on the screen because it is actually so easy. You're standing in front of the screen and it has improved a lot in the second generation on the Xbox in terms of how it operates. But if and, I'm sitting down watching a movie I don't want to have to stand up and yeah, but, even but if, I, I was I was in the room and I was wanting to pause it so I could go out of the room uh, or whatever I was, you know, needing to do and I didn't know who had run off with the remote, right? And so it was just, you know, you're just able to wave at it, and I was able to You've do. You've got what to I have better
1: to remote management at your house, dude. <laughs> you <laughs> really do. At
2: my house, the remote's always attached to the end of my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening at your yeah. house. But I well,
0: can't, there, there, there's a there's a young little character whose name is Pablo who who runs around, and whenever he sees any piece of technology. It's his. Oh, it's like exactly. his dad. And, dad. Awesome. and uh, he'll walk into he'll walk into the baby
2: stores and start negotiating deals down on them soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. I so, mean, I could, um, I could see this being quite useful for modelling, right? For modelling in uh, items in Windows. Modeling, so, I didn't know you were a model. I was actually, and let's not go into that because it's a distant past. But in sense of you're doing f- wire uh, framework designs. Building designs, manufacturing, yeah, manufacturing. Being able to, yeah, yep. being able to uh, change the look on something just with the gesture on your hand in front of a screen, it could work quite well in that sense. So hospitals, I mean, we can, when we it can gets down to more stuff. detail, if it could actually deal with a, a pointing finger, I mean.
0: You could use that instead of a mouse. You could actually point your finger and wave it around. If it had that sort of detail... Steve Jobs um, so would have got 10 of them. You know, that that sort of thing would actually make... That sort of thing would make some sense. Now, on to, ne- on to other topics. Um, Nikon have just uh, just announced a new camera, which is coming in at 36 megapixel, the D800 and uh, D800E.
2: Why? Well will it only require a 10 terabyte array to but- capture an image. Why? <laughs> <laughs> think- Unless you're a professional photographer why
0: well that that's that's the market that uh this sort of technology is is aimed at and you know i think when you get into these higher um higher megapixel cameras what makes a big difference um is the sensor and how how big it is that's actually capturing that light and also the um the glass and the the, the lens all of those those pieces that makes a makes a really big difference but um, you know the the higher um, the higher qualities as these things move along allows for better uh, recording in darker situations. It makes the uh, these devices are usually uh, better and better at recording video as well. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, w- what pleases me about it is we we're still getting plenty of innovation and competition in the high end camera space. Now in the lower end, people are starting to. You know, not bother with having point-and-shoot cameras in most cases because your smartphones are are getting better and better. They're still not as good as the point-and-shoots, but it, you know, it's the fact that your your smartphone's in your pocket all the time. Uh, but in this higher-end space, um, yeah, there 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 is quite a bit of competition. I've been looking a lot at um, some of Sony's new devices which um, actually some of them don't carry that digital SLR name because they're using a different technology to the uh, single-lens uh, reflex, reflex technology that, that the SLRs are based on, um, and that gives them some quite cool uh, capabilities. And those are coming in at 24 megapixels uh, for a camera that uh, I think retails in New Zealand around $2,000. So, um, yeah, it's um, I think it's great to see so much innovation and... Um, um, you know, a lot of competition in this space. The thing to be uh, mindful of, though, is that um, the factories for Nikon and Sony were hit with the floods in uh, in Thailand recently. Oh, okay. So I went into uh, the Sony store in in Newmarket over the weekend, and I was I was looking at the um, the A65 and the A77, which are their new top end um, um, cameras. And what I was told was that stock is actually months away until they're able to sort of fulfill orders. I mean they already they ha- one of the issues is that these new cameras have been so popular from uh from Sony, which I think is a big break breakthrough uh for them in their competition with um with Nikon and Canon. Canon that um yeah, you've got a you potentially got a few months wait before you can get these devices. So um yeah, worth getting orders in if that's something that you're looking for. What price range are you looking at? Um those not the um the a um the SLT A65 from uh from Sony they're uh, around $2000 2100 something like that at the moment with the dual lens kit that's not bad uh it's a 24 megapixel um device it has got a re- it's um yeah it's it's a really very very capable device i think it shoots 10 frames a second for stills which is you know right up there with your $5000 plus um Nikon and and uh, Canon type um type cameras so um yeah it's pretty impressive. So uh yeah. That's my update on um on the on the um the cameras now. Getting back to um to mobile phones, we've had a couple of bits of news over the last week. One is that uh Nokia made their formal announcements in the New Zealand market for their um the Lumia 710 and 800 handsets. Yes which I think, um, Skip, you're not the only one that's pleased about this. There seems to be quite a buzz online. People are actually really looking forward to to Nokia really being back in the smartphone race, sort of boots and all. They're 100% dedicated to um, to going with these new Windows
2: Phone uh, handsets. And I think the good thing is that if you go and ask a lot of people that have been involved in it or with business and they go you you can ask them what's the phone product the brand that you would actually prefer above all other brands in terms of reliability and longevity in life nokia always seems to come up a lot higher than other phones the nokia phones were good solid working phones that last forever battery life was great so I yeah, guess. they've definitely got that sort
0: of historical um you know brand strength and and exactly. a lot of people have stayed um with their devices along the way. I mean, I used them for for a long time. I mean, um but yeah, it's been a, it's been a good few years since uh since I've looked at you know really looked seriously at uh, at Nokia as a platform. We looked uh, last year at that N9 and we gave away one of those on on the NZ Tech podcast beautiful handset. Uh, with the Mego operating system, but these Lumia ones with Windows Phone, I think, really have a future, and uh, you know we're seeing all the sort of signs that it's going to do uh, it's going to do quite well for Nokia.
2: And Nokia have bet the farm on it. Hmm. They, that's that's where they've staked their claim. They're not really innovating in any other space except for this that, one. That that, that that's the focus, isn't it? Yep.
0: And you know, I think your your point's true about you know people having that um, that sort of feeling about the strength and the quality of the Nokia handsets. I mean, I can remember one. You know, probably everyone's got a little story about what they did with their Nokia phone if they were using phones, sort of. You know, ten years ago, when when um, mobiles were were, I guess, uh, a little bit more of a novelty. But you know, I remember a case. Um, yeah, probably going back a, a, a le- more than a decade, and um, one of the one of the chaps that worked for me left his uh, Nokia phone on top of my car. And um, the way I used to drive back in those days was a little bit different from what I do now. And uh, I you're really? kidding me. I really? uh, I pulled out pretty quickly, and we raced off around the corner. And of course, as I did that, the um, the phone had got picked up, a fair bit of momentum, went flying off the roof, and so rolling
2: across the ground. What's different about you driving now compared to there, then? Yeah, thanks,
0: Skip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, needless to say, picked up the phone, and you know. Probably the maybe the battery had come off and he snapped it back in and, and away he went and the phone was fine and yeah the the phone was fine and we don't recall I don't recall there being any any issues with it and I think probably most people remember sort of stories like that yeah. of but the, he wouldn't return
1: your calls of, <laughs> That's
0: the problem. of the various you know some of those various uh, Nokia models that were just they were just tough tough gear they were, they were like yeah. bricks that, that so back. I'm hoping the new gear lives up to it we've got the seven ten which is their sort of lower end um, Windows phone which is uh, probably reasonably similar in Terms of um, just pure specifications to uh, the HTC Trophy and some of those sort of first generation uh, Windows uh, phone handsets, um, but I think it's got a faster, uh, probably a faster CPU, um, and that's going to come into the New Zealand market at five four nine, uh, exclusive to Telecom initially. That's a good price. That's it's a very that's a very good price. price because it's you know it's got GPS, it's got you know it's got it's got good capabilities mm. built in, eight gigs worth of storage and so on access to you know I guess not not as much storage as some of the higher end smartphones but most of those higher end ones are heading towards twice the price. Um, but, you know, you've got um, SkyDrive for you know for a lot of other content, so you don't necessarily have to have it on the device. And the telecom network's
1: quite quick as well, so you're really going to get a really good experience. Quite
2: they? quick? I think it's blazingly quick.
1: Well, I haven't used it for a while. We should try and get telecom guys on here, actually. That's us we'll do for the next couple of weeks, see if we can get some from telecom up here with one of the devices to have a play with. Mm. So we've
0: got, uh, we've got that coming through, and the Lumia 800 as well, which is going to be on uh, Vodafone and on telecom. I uh, haven't heard from 2 degrees yet i i i'm i'm just picking um and don't don't quote me on this cuz i haven't heard anything from them but, but i we will record this but i'm picking that 2 degrees are probably going to have to jump on board with um and pick up an a or or, uh, or some sort of windows phone device within the within the foreseeable future um that that's that's, that's my pick um so let let's let's wait and see what happens. But uh, I think they're watching this space a little bit more actively, based on some some little bits and pieces of information I've come across recently. Um, so let let's wait and see anyway what what comes
2: uh, what comes through in that space. I might go and queue at a store for a Nokia phone because you know no one ever queues for Nokias anymore, do they? You're looking at me like this. I'll the, be the one guy that the Samsung cues ads with it w- their there Apple. There won't be
0: a queue if there's just one of you. Nobody queues for a phone unless it's got an
2: Apple logo on it. I know, but you know, we'll start. And you've got to be a barista.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm um, totally creative on in that in that mobile space, and you know, we know we talked a little bit about after CES some of the new phones that were that were coming through from uh, Motorola and um, you know Sony, the various ones. Um, But uh, Windows Phone 8 has hit the media again. Now, well, for the first time, actually. I know we've had a lot of discussion around the Windows Phone stuff because they they have been getting a lot of coverage, particularly because of Nokia. Uh, But in in the last few days, um, there was a video that apparently has leaked out around the whole next generation of Windows Phone, which is Windows Phone 8. Um, Have you guys seen some of that information? Yep, I've been reading on Paul Thrott's WinSupersite and Pocket Now.
1: They've been covering it quite in depth over the last few days. So it's interesting. It's all talking about how it's going to be built in the Windows 8 kernel. So the currently the Windows Phone 7 is run on the Windows CE kernel. Um, they're going to migrate it, so it's on the same sort of um, operating system as Windows 8 is going to be. But it sounds like there's going to be some really deep integration with Skype and also NFC. Um, which is the the payment wallet stuff as well.
2: Near-field communication stuff. So like Thank the um, like the uh, RFID type stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's quite cool. I mean, I guess people have been sort of proposing to Microsoft this is where they were heading, but they never really sort of said anything about it, uh, especially on Windows Phone 7, 7.5 but everyone could see it starting to trend that way and it makes great sense in terms of development they're moving their platforms to a space where you can create a user interface that works across multiple devices the phone the desktop the whatever the tablet's going to look like and um on, on the xbox and you can actually just create the one app in the one space and it works on all the devices i mean that has got to be killer.
0: Well, I think also you've got the benefit if this, you know, what what we're reading is that it's based basically on the Windows 8 operating system, and what that means is the effort and energy that goes into developing new features for a phone can go to the desktop or to the tablet and vice versa. So one of the things they're talking about is this new data management uh, capabilities, which which is one of the um, one of the things in Windows 8 that that's going to be built into Windows Phone 8, and and that. To me, makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. They're pulling through um, the BitLocker, which is the uh, the encryption that um, that that Windows has had for a number of years. Um, that's obviously part of Windows 8, and will go into the phone. And that's been one of the complaints that businesses have had around Windows Phone is, oh, it doesn't have a full encryption capability. Uh, so you know, those are the sorts of things that they can pull through by by making use of the um,
2: um, you know, it's it's Big Brother OS. And this is going to be really important because, I mean, in terms of um, some of the stats I've been reading and some research I've been doing for my normal day work, um, by 2014, Ericsson are picking up that mobile devices will surpass desktop-type devices in terms of Internet usage by 2014. So by 2014, we're going to see more mobile devices, more mobile connected, more mobile uses. Yeah. And then effectively, you're um, starting to see the decline not in possible numbers, but possibly in percentage of market share of users using desktop pc so you can see the market shifting towards the more mobile space. makes sense to take the functionality that people really enjoy out of their desktop space and put it into the phone like bitlock and well, Bitlock well, is a killer app
0: yeah well also you you i mean I remember seeing this in a in a, um, a this particular concept we 're going to refer to now in Microsoft Video some years ago, and i 'm sure not they 're not the only ones that have talked about this. Um, but there was a video that that showed you sort of walking up to a screen and and interacting with it in various ways, and you didn't. There wasn't actually a full blown computer there, as I recall it. And I, I may have I may be um, interpreting this no, no, slight, slightly differently. You're bang on. No, you're bang on. And uh, and basically, your your um, smartphone that you carry with you is your computer, and everything else is in the cloud. And I guess if you're running Windows Eight on the device in your pocket you can then sit down at a bigger screen ultimately and that does all the big fancy stuff that you need to do and the screen wirelessly communicates with your phone and says look I'm a big screen with this massive resolution or I'm a tv or I'm a touch screen or whatever and that could potentially run off the phone so I think that uh, this is a move that Microsoft are probably planning five ten years out on it's not it's not a um, just a small decision they've made no. to bring these operating systems together, and you know I imagine Apple will be working on very similar types of concepts. And if we look now, uh, you know Apple's um, uh, profit details and so on were, were uh, uh, an- announced recently, as as were uh, Microsoft's. And one of the things that you notice, somebody did a, um, I think it was Ed Bott from ZDNet, who we talked to on one of the um, um, CES shows. He did a graph that showed what what um, a pie chart that showed what percentage of Apple's sales of various things, and the large majority of their uh, their sale or their profit comes from the iPhone, yep. followed by the iPad. The Apple Mac now is actually a very very small segment of that of that pie chart, and so you can see Apple would actually prefer to sell you an iPhone that would be your main computer. And for you to walk up to a screen and do that. Now whether they pull that off or Microsoft pull it off or who pulls it off first, I don't know. But the con- that concept of um of a desktop PC that's in your pocket, um, sounds really cool. Yeah. And i don't, I st you and know, I don't know whether it's five, ten years out. Uh, but being able to have that full blown functionality when you sit down at a screen, you know, I think that's something that people still want. They don't just want the iPad sort of cut down capability, you need that fullness. Uh, and if it's possible to do that using a, a device
2: in your pocket, that would be really cool. I'd say it's five years out. Just the way I see things trending. Oh, know? I think four point seven five skip. I think you're out by <laughs> no, but I think year. ten years is way out. Ten years is way too far out. I mean, the pace at which we're growing, the the cell phone companies are picking that there's going to be fifty billion de- devices connected to mobile networks globally by 2020, and that's that's a huge number of devices. Um, so I think the infrastructure is growing rapidly. Um, and we're starting to see manufacturers of mobile devices starting to come out with dual core phones for example and you just look at the Moore's Law thing it's it's funny that in terms of Moore's Law a lot of the companies like NTT Docomo and Huawei are saying Moore's Law's waste of time we can move a lot quicker than that so I think the innovation curve is going to speed up rapidly in the next five years interesting
0: ok well that's probably enough on uh, on that topic unless there's anything no. anything extra there now a little um, a little bit of communication we got from one of our UK listeners who is with a company called um, Quali, if I've uh, pronounced it correctly, um, is that, uh, now these guys are, uh, just a bit of background, these guys are, um, are a game developer out of the UK working on mobile apps. Now, what's unusual here is that their first game is... Launching in New Zealand. Yep, this is so be they're big. a UK company, and they've picked New Zealand to basically to as a bit of a um, place to to be the test bed for uh, for their app. So um, keep an eye on that. We're going to get a little bit more info. Uh, we'll have a look at this. Um, and we will be uh we we'll see if we can uh we can have a little bit of a a um a chat with them in the future um to to fill in a bit more uh, information but uh yeah an interesting company with some uh, some pretty key um um you know keep people involved so we'll, we'll come back with a bit more information on that as it uh, as it comes to hand we've only just literally got the email um overnight so um when, when we get some more info we'll uh, we'll fill it in
1: yeah and if you're looking for the app in the itunes store it's called the go bang social app yep so um
0: yeah that's us now
1: um, if you've got a spare for 30 seconds what would you buy for five hundred thousand dollars if you love storage how much would you get for the, in the market right now, Derek? Actually,
2: I did this exercise this the other day. So, how much would you get? So, uh, for five hundred thousand, I think I could probably get. And this is the likes of EMC. This is high-level storage arrays. Um, anywhere between oh, where are we? Probably sixty to eighty terabyte of storage. All right, I can possibly be, no. So, Paul, give it to me. You guys are getting real
0: geeky on me, man. Come on, how much? Um, all all I need in my home is a that, few is a few terabytes worth of storage and it does and it does just fine. Uh, in a business scenario I think that's a little bit like the piece of string question because it depends on a, on a whole lot of different factors in terms of the you know, the quality, the performance, um, you know, redundancy capabilities and so on. So, you know, you could go out and get twenty terabytes of storage for um you know a, a very small amount of money um you know out of the hundreds into the thousands. Um well actually you could probably actually do it in with certain techniques maybe for for just about in the hundreds. Um but if you are looking for real, you know, business class reliability and performance, then you know, Skip says you can be spending hundreds of thousands to do it.
1: So for five hundred four hundred and ninety five thousand right now you can get for business class storage Oh, a okay. petabyte. A petabyte. A petabyte. That's a huge amount of storage. 20,000 Blu-rays are uh, ripped onto the storage array, but you can actually buy it right in the market right now, $495,000 USD, a petabyte of storage. So a gigabyte, terabyte, petabyte.
0: That's, that's a phenomenal
1: fantastic. amount of storage for but that's, so
2: that's that's a, that's a thousand terabytes, isn't it? Yeah, thousand twenty-four. Uh, yeah,
0: that's impressive.
2: Now terabytes are quite uh, quite large, but when you start working with HD video, which we're starting to see everywhere now, it chews it up like the billio. Yep. So for half a mil, you can get a petabyte of storage, which is a for twenty thousand Blu-rays. I think Google well, probably get
0: cheaper. Well, we're talking about four K video, of course. Now that that yeah. you know, video companies are going to have to deal with which is. Um, you know four times the resolution of of full hd and you know this will be relevant for new zealand you know businesses and obviously we've got the likes of weta and, and a lot of companies that are working in this film and video space here in new zealand so this type of technology will actually be be a boon to uh, to some of the stuff that they're doing
1: forget those guys the british olympics in june this year is going to be broadcast in 4k so it's actually going to become... I mean, we're talking, what, three, four and, months?
0: And they're doing 3D as well, aren't
1: Yeah, they? 3D, 4K. So you're going to have to have... TVs and devices that, like you just saying, how you can store all that that you're going to be recording 4K TV, and this is going to be the Olympic Games, and it's going to be in 3D, like you mentioned. Um, broad, I don't think we're getting 3D here. I think it's going to
2: the US and the U- in Europe, isn't it? But there's no 3D market here really at the moment, is there? Yeah, I think there's not, probably strong.
0: Well, and and, and it's pr- it's pretty expensive for broadcasters yeah.
2: to jump into this uh, oh, space,
0: yeah. and that's one, of, you know, one of the one of the challenges, and. But yeah, I mean this is an oppo- the Olympics is a good opportunity to actually bring this stuff through. Yeah, only a few billion people watching, so that's quite scary. Just because it's all being recorded that way anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um it, it would be good if someone could uh could pick that up. All right. Well I think we've covered uh we've covered all our key topics this week. There's um there's probably a couple more we would like to chat about, but um we will we'll hold that stuff back for uh for next week. So, thanks everybody for listening in to the NZ Tech Podcast. Now, you can, um, as well as going to the NZ Podcast.com site and Facebook.com slash NZ Tech Podcast, uh, and the same on Twitter, um, you can catch each of us individually.
2: Skip your Twitter, Twitter handle, please. Is Urban Kiwi NZ and no, I'm not on Bebo.
0: <laughs> Pleased to hear it. Oh, that was our other bit of news. Bebo, which we said last week had dropped offline, Head has r- miraculously reappeared from the dead.
2: Yeah, strange not, story. Not we,
0: very exciting, is
2: it? We no. should probably talk about that a little bit more next week.
1: Yeah, there's a good one because you gave us a bit of a giggle when you're trying to log into it. But let's save that for next week. <laughs> yes, yes, you can get right. me at Brad Boar on t- for Twitter.
2: Excellent.
0: And my Twitter handle is just my name, Paul Spain. So thanks, everyone, for listening in. We will catch you all again very soon. Cheers. See you, guys.